0: SecondCityHockey.com. Here's
1: Marv LaGrone over the line, fire! Marv! Yes! Marv! a here we go! Jackson moving
2: right and on the shot, but oh Marv did it again! University of North Dakota, Jonathan Taves. Commit to us. Commit to the Jersey. Commit their people here. The, man,
1: Havla, the shot back, oh, oh. well, so drives, it in And now it's in the net score! It's it's, it. It. it's, it's, the, score. it's it. the Hawks win it's the it. Stanley Cup! The Hawks win the Stanley
2: Cup! And in! comes Zebrak with his job, he's
1: Welcome into another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, the site manager for Second City Hockey. You can find me on Twitter at underscore Dave Melton, and you can find all my stuff at secondcityhockey.com. Along with the stuff from all the people that you're going to get introduced to right here, it is my usual line mates once again this evening. First off, the analytics darling of Second City Hockey, Shepard Price.
2: I have as many postseason points as my favorite player.
1: (laughs) You also have as many postseason wins as the St. Louis Blues. And Edmonton Exactly. Oilers. and the Edmonton
2: Oilers. Yep. Oh, no. Wait. I. Oh, know, yeah, the Bulls got swept too. Okay. I've only lost one fewer series in the playoffs than Connor McDavid. Um, oh,
1: boy. How, how is Shea Theodore doing this postseason? Uh, rough. <laughs> it's, it's rough. It's, it's, it's rough. It's rough. It's rough. It's yeah. rough. Yeah. Well, um, you know, thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers, Shepard. <laughs> thoughts and prayers in this <laughs> difficult time for you. <laughs> of, it is a time. of watching your team in the playoffs or watching one of your teams in the playoffs. I'm just hate watching from my couch as an not, well, not neutral observer. Cause I hate a lot of teams, but uh, less interested than I would be if the Blackhawks were playing, I guess is what we describe it.
2: Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm just having constant heart attacks.
1: <laughs> uh, well, there's medication for that. You should look into it. Yeah. <laughs> also with this evening, this evening, he is to second city hockey. What Jonathan Davis is to corn. It is mill
3: uh, I'm trying to think of a corn reference, but I <laughs> ate too much Chipotle to think.
1: Well, Mel, you, you got the life is what we're going with. Um,
3: How about... I'm trying to think. Okay, are, you feeling, are you
1: feeling like a freak on a leash?
3: No, I, I like the first record the best, so
1: oh you liked it you liked them before
3: they were mainstream well no just i like the never mind i just (laughs) pass
1: (laughs) okay we'll pass um mill by the way is on twitter at mill 182 shepherds at shepherd price and the third person i'm going to bring in she's not on twitter but you can find all her stuff at secondcityhockey.com under the name lbr and she is the second city hockey bull and wall of text it is betsy
0: If I like space out It's not because my brain is mush It's because I'm trying to pay attention slightly to the Carolina Nashville game Um, And Carolina just scored Right before this started So even though it's unwatchable I still am going to watch Because So it's not It's
1: not quite unwatchable but it's working on it Is what you're telling me
0: It's trying it's best
3: (laughs) I was not expecting a corn reference I am so sorry (laughs) That caught me so off guard.
1: I know, like I, I usually go like you know like mid two thousands punk and emo bands, but I decided I just was I was driving home before we were doing this, and I just like what band? Sh- like I was trying to think of one just off the top of my head, and like I feel like I should just die. I, I almost went with like a Limp Bizkit one, but I kind of want to do that too. Uh, I, 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 I,
3: no, I prefer Limp Bizkit to Corn, but uh <laughs> no, my fr- uh, a- just quick antidote. One of my good friends used to play in a Corn like tribute band, and he didn't love doing that but they made a lot of money they'd play like house of blues and stuff and so i've seen them so many times and i'm just like i feel like i've seen actual corn like they did the adidas stuff and the dreads and
1: what what was the name of the band uh freak on a leash oh i thought it was gonna i thought it was gonna be better not gonna lie
3: i mean you know i don't do the whole tribute band thing but like oh well there's uh, still time though no, if I if, when I get older, I want to do a all dad bar cover band. But we don't do one band; we do like everything from the '90s called the Foo Fathers. I'd I'd go. I'd
1: but pay not, money. To, I'd I'd pay money to go see the Foo Fathers. Yeah,
3: thank you. But I'm not a dad yet, so I can't make it happen.
1: Uh, I don't have a good segue out of that, so let's just let's just podcast is over. One. <laughs> podcast is, that's it. Good night, everybody. Um, but yeah, hey, I guess we could talk about some Blackhawks hockey now. Um, I'm, I mean, they're, they've been done for a couple weeks, but we're still talking about them because who else are we going to talk about the Carolina Hurricanes?
0: I mean, that'd be more fun. To
1: <laughs> yeah, probably would be <laughs> my countrymen. Um, but I Maybe not guess. right
0: now, because the fucking Nashville Predators are making their lives miserable and mine.
1: Look what happens when you're fast.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> M- must be great. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so speaking of things that weren't so great or all that fast, uh, the Blackhawks defense—we're <laughs> going to talk about this evening. As uh, we talked extensively about the Fords at last week's episode, so we're kind of do a similar format. Just kind of do a season recap of everything related to the Blackhawks defensemen. And really, I I, I like the format last week, so I think we're just going to follow a similar format and just run down the roster. And I, I guess we'll. Uh, I'll start with a name and I'm going to throw this to Shepard first, as I usually do. Um, let's just start with talking about Adam Boakwis. Cause I think he's the most interesting uh, in the most interest or just the most interesting storyline out of all the Hawks blue liners. So uh, Shepard, your Adam Boakwis thoughts from the 2021 season.
2: Yeah. I think everybody kind of has come to the consensus. He's taken a step forward defensively this season, especially post COVID uh, break for him. Um, he Began to look a lot better defensively and like make the plays defensively you need to see from an NHL player, which is something he was not able to do last season. He also needs to be on the power first power play. Like you know, the first, part, the power play was really good in the initial season, and part of that was because of Boquist. Um It stayed fine and got worse as the season progressed. I think our part of that was they didn't really put Adam Boquist back on the first unit, and I think that was a problem. Um, yeah, they were.
1: And they did the five Fords thing for a while, which I really yeah. didn't
2: like. He, uh, he's clearly a power play quarterback. Like that's like one of the best things he does mm-hmm. Um sure. not, not using him in that way, especially like, like on the unit that gets the most time is a mistake. And one of many from this coaching staff though. So who's to say, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I like, I like Boquist. I don't know if he'll ever be a true number one. I don't know if he, I, I would like to see him play more penalty kill time. It might be a, a Alex to bring cat situation where he turns out to be actually really good at it. Um, but I don't, I don't know if he'll ever be somebody who can eat 25 minutes in a, in a playoff series.
1: So next, I want to bring this to Betsy, because I know she just, as in conversations I've seen in comment sections at our website, and just in general, she's, I know Betsy, you've talked a lot about like career arcs of players and like when they start realizing their potential. So I guess I would ask you to kind of talk among, like kind of paint that picture a little bit and bringing that to Adam Boquist's career trajectory at the moment.
0: Well, so there's, there's been a lot of young defenders that have impacted really quickly, really fast. Um, everybody looks to like McAvoy or Quinn Hughes lately um, and those guys. And they just came out and they were really good, at least in one way or another. McAvoy more well-rounded. Um, Quinn Hughes very good offensively. And you've got these kids that are coming in and just being stars right away. Except, you know, that's not the normal trend really it's Mm -hmm. more of a necessity than a historical like actuality
1: more the more the exception than the rule is what
0: it's becoming more common but i don't i think literally because of the cap more than anything else they're they're pushing these kids to go forward more quickly or or they were just more conservative back in the day adam Boquist when he got drafted said it was going to be a few years, two to three years before he thought he was ready for the NHL and he was in the NHL, you know, D plus two. So that's, he was ahead of the curve there. But if you look historically, most defenders really start to get into their groove and start impacting the NHL at say age 22. Um, And then they kind of plateau and have a nice little, little run for a little while. But Adam Boquist is what? He just turned 20? Did he just?
1: He'll be 21 on August 15th of this year.
0: So he's not even near what is a normal curve for NHL players, um, much less like stars necessarily. Just because he's being compared to these other young studs because of his draft selection, he's being kind of cast in a bad light. But that's just silly. I think I said on the last podcast, you really need to stop looking at just the draft position and look at the player development because he's made strides every season. He mm-hmm. probably came to the NHL too soon, not because he was necessarily not ready for the NHL, but because the Blackhawks weren't ready for him. I don't think last year they were in a good position to support him fully. I don't think the team is great defensively. The forwards don't help carry. You cannot compare his situation with McAvoy and the Bruins at that time, or uh, McCarr with Colorado. Those guys had support, 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 especially from the forwards. Boquist doesn't have that with the Blackhawks. That's not cool. Just He should have been left in the HL, in my opinion, just to work on fundamentals before being elevated. Um, and the comparison, we'll bring this back to Shepard's favorite guy. Lots of people really liked Theodore last playoffs and they kept going, oh my gosh, I wish we had a Theodore. Well, Theodore didn't make it into the NHL until he was 22. Um, and he started impacting even more after that. So just be patient with these young kids. He, Adam Boquist is on a normal, like very normal development curve for his position Um, I don't know if he'll ever peak like Shepard said to a first pairing or a number one D, but he could. And thinking at age 20 that he is as complete as he's ever going to get is just silly to me.
1: It's kind of like the Kirby doc conversation last week where it's still, it's still too early to draw any definitive conclusions about where they are going to be in their careers. But it would also be pretty cool if they had an awesome breakout season next year just to relieve the stress from everyone. Yeah. Um, one guy that I rem I remember the player, like the big comp for Boquist when he was getting drafted was Eric Carlson. And yeah. while Betsy, you were talking, I pulled up Eric Carlson's career numbers. And they're roughly like their birthdays are two months apart, but in and and uh ten years different. So Eric Carlson's first season, so this would have been when uh, he entered the league at the age of 19 as Boquist did yep, uh, Carlson played 60 games at 26 points and got demoted at some point in the middle of that season and came back, got demoted to the AHL, came back up. And I don't think has ever been demoted again. His second season, he was a little bit better, had 45 points in 75 games on an Ottawa team that was not in the playoffs. Right. Uh, he was also a minus 30. I know plus minus isn't a great stat, but minus 30s, not not great the next season Carlson had seventy eight points in eighty one games won the Norris and was an all-star player so I'm not saying bokus is going to do that next season, but um like there's 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 a correlation in the past for third season uh your age twenty one year that that's when they start to turn it on so if that's a source of optimism for somebody that's listening to this podcast there's that I, I certainly like that. Gives me a reason to think that you know maybe next season is a cool one for for Boquist.
0: Yeah. I will say that he needs more, like Shepard said, power play time if he's going to hit, try to hit any numbers even slightly similar to Carlson. For um, sure, because that was one of the big things he started getting lots and lots of power play time.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I uh, even yeah. expect like a point per game out of Boquist next season, but I mean, no, I not you can, with like, like yeah. 50, 60 range would be would be. Yeah. Cool.
2: That would be he also a- needs a better. He also needs a better partner because yeah. Theodore didn't really take off even when he after he made the NHL he didn't really take off until Alec like, Martinez was his guy, his partner. Yeah. And, and you need an you know, all like Alec Martinez for focus.
0: And Quinn Hughes is a perfect example of he. He's been struggling this season, not necessarily as much in points, but like all season long. Part of the reason the Vancouver Canucks didn't have a great season is because Quinn Hughes wasn't doing as well as he did last year. And I don't think it's because he took a step back. I think it's because his defense partner was different this year. And um, it's because Tanev, however you say his name, like left. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Mill, any uh, Adam Boquist thoughts to to toss in?
3: Yeah. um, Kind of going off what Shepard said, I do really think he should be quarterbacking that first power play unit. Uh, Something about Adam Boquist is I can't remember the last time a Hawks defenseman could walk the blue line the way he does. I mean – uh, his footwork is is really, really great, and so is the stick work. I think that, and, and not this, not to go into this conversation over and over, but if we were playing a system where he had a uh, stay-at-home guy kind of playing back like center field and he could kind of go be a cowboy, I think that would benefit him a lot more, the style mm. of play that he does. Kind of like, I don't want to compare him to Duncan Keith, but how when Duncan Keith was younger and he was faster, he was kind of allowed to go roam and there was somebody back there to kind of, Give him that because because if Boquist gets burned, a lot of times they're getting scored on because there's nobody behind them.
1: Yeah. And I remember like the thing you said about stick positioning, like the one play from Boquist that I remember the season, it was so, so nonchalant. But there was a pass. I think it was a pass from behind the net towards the slot and he had his stick in the perfect place and he deflected it out of the zone and the Hawks got a two on one the other way and scored on it.
3: Yeah, he, you know, like just
1: little little things like that are like signs of progress, just a stick in the right spot at the right time.
3: Well, that's the thing is, like, I think his skill set is um, I'm not saying he's a number one guy, but it's it's pretty impressive, especially for being so young, like what you just said. But I I don't know that his usage uh, in both special teams and five on five is like it's not his fault that some of the things happening to him are, are because of the usage or partners. Yeah. So that that's all, you know, I, but I, I, I'm on the Adam Boquis train. I think we all are.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does next season.
3: Hopefully healthy. Let's hope that wrist yeah. is okay.
1: Yeah. 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 God, I forgot about that. I
3: mean, <laughs> he's, he's still know.
1: young. He'll heal.
3: Um, yeah. Well, we said that about Kirby Doc when he got injured in that large children's tournament.
1: <laughs> oh, can we not? Let's just, let's just not. I don't want to do this again. Well, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. So Connor Murphy. Um, I feel like there's not too much intrigue or, uh, dialogue here with him. I mean, like he, he's, is what he is. He's, he's a pretty good defensive defenseman. And I got, I got, I don't have too much bad to say about him. He is what he is at this point And I think he's a reliable top four guy. Any, any burning thoughts, Mill? We can start with you since, uh, we went the other way last time.
3: Oh, burning thoughts on our large Irish son. Um, you know, I think, again, this is a guy we all talk about in in uh, high praise. He's a, he's a good defenseman. Um, obviously, he doesn't have the wheels that we would like him to, but that's, you know, he's still very, very useful. Um, we need to get him a helmet that won't come off. And I think that having Connor Murphy negates the need for a lot of guys like Calvin Dehan or like Zadora, like those kind of guys, especially in this system. But he's the guy that I'm, I'm keeping over any other kind of quote unquote stay at home guy.
1: Yeah. Uh, no, no discriments here. Shepard or Betsy, anything else to add?
2: He's a number two. He's, he's not a number one. He's somebody who, if the Blackhawks by chance, uh, again, I, I, this is a hail Mary and I think it's not a likely one uh got Toby Hamilton, he's a perfect compliment to a oh. type of player like that. Nice. Um Jeff's kiss. <laughs> yeah. because uh, he, he can play he can play defense defense better than a lot of defensemen in the NHL. Um and, ch- and he chips in a, he chips in and produces enough to earn his keep otherwise.
1: Betsy anything else to add?
0: I mean Murphy just on the penalty kill alone is valuable because the hot Blackhawks aren't great on the penalty kill and he and ironically our you know favorite player, Zadorov are actually two of the better defenders on that this season for the Blackhawks. Um and yeah, Murphy, I agree with Shep. He's a number two really. Um and finding the right partner for him could make a really good top pairing. Or if they wanted to go the old Keith Seabrook route, you could have Murphy be on a shutdown pairing with like a hammer Oduya kind of thing. They just would need to find somebody a little bit more mobile for him than maybe a little bit more, even more, more mobile than Johnny Oduya. And he was a pretty good skater, Um, but he's very useful, more versatile than any of the other shutdown guys. I
1: I feel like we've been, those in the Blackhawks fan base are adamant that Connor Murphy like doesn't get anywhere near the credit that he should. And I, unless the Hawks start winning, I don't think he ever will because it's just he, he was on a bad Arizona team for a long time, and now he's on a bad Chicago team. Like I th- I'm pretty sure when the Hawks did their whatever the postseason stuff you you want to call it last season wasn't that his p- postseason debut? Yeah, yeah. My, yeah. yeah. I felt mm-hmm. like that was a big storyline because when guy. he came over from Arizona,
3: they sucked. Yeah, yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah, because yeah, he also had been, like, the captain of the world's team, like, two years in a row and had been had gone, like, every time because he, like, doesn't normally turn down a chance.
1: Right, yeah, like, the world's, it's a cool tournament, but it also means your NHL team sucks. I think Murphy's oh, yeah.
3: the guy who, like, if he was on those cup teams, he's kind of a, maybe not hammer level, but, like, oh, do you, where, like, a lot of people who are, like, snarky, like, smart fans like us. He's so, so... There so is. he's so the hip, it,
1: he's the hipster favorite of the book. But but, but he's
3: but he's good though. Like that's the thing. It's like he's a hipster favorite because he's good. And like I could see him selling a lot of t shirts and people really like, you know, like when he puts someone on their ass, it's not all the time, but people get would get riled up for him doing that.
1: Yeah, he, he's run some people over, like like but he's uh, not
3: dirty, he's just well, he's yeah. a big boy.
1: He had one where he caught Cernak in the head a little bit, which kind of sucked, but yeah, but that was an accident. Yeah, that was yeah. That wasn't uh. That
0: yeah, was kind of ran into his back. Yeah,
2: <laughs> it wasn't it's a jag off, So <laughs> yeah, part of the problem with Murphy getting credit is also the fact that there's no award for him. Like he's not a Norse. He's he's never gonna be a Norse guy. But like, if the yeah. Langway was an actual was an actual thing, and there was a defensive defenseman award, I think Murphy would be a name like Couturier. That's like perennially up for it. Yeah.
1: But like, like the Selkie doesn't really go to. Or all like the Norse is now just like the best offensive defenseman. Now it's not really. Yeah, that's the is that Rod Langway
2: that trophy? Rod, yeah, yeah. Rod Langway. Yeah,
1: um, yeah. So we'll uh, we'll start the petition to get that trophy awarded to of Murphy after next season.
2: Uh, one guy that like
1: I I I don't feel like he's very intriguing because I think he kind of is what he is at this point. Also similar to Murphy, but older uh, is Duncan Keith. I think my biggest gripe is the fact that he was the ice time leader for the Blackhawks this season. Like I don't think. I know he's immortal, and he goes, you know, up into nature in Canada and gets re- restocked or refurbished every year. But I don't. Does he? I, if Duncan keeps skating twenty three minutes next season, like that seems like a problem to me, isn't it?
3: Absolutely.
1: Like he's still, he's still, like maybe I don't even know if like a middle pairing guy is what yes. he is anymore. Like, I feel like. Like I, I, he's not a top pairing guy anymore. He's just, you know, he's 37. He'll be 38 before the next season starts. But I, I just 23, 25 average ice time. Number one among Hawks defensemen. That just doesn't do it. I, I there's gotta be someone else I can take. I, it.
3: I have a hot take, but it, I love Duncan Keith with all of my heart. But if you could predict the future in 2017 and say, Hey, this is what's going to happen the next four seasons. I would have said, buddy, you're on a good deal. Why don't we trade you to somewhere where you can compete to win? Because it's, it's like, kind of like pointless having him out there for 25 minutes. Like, what, what are they doing?
2: Yeah. He, he's somebody who needs to be at like 19 minutes now. Um, and that's not any fault of his own. We've talked about aging curves. His age, age and time have just caught up with him. And, and he's not...
1: Well, and, and the other side of that coin is that guys like Boquist and, and Mitchell and Kalanuk and others should step forward to the point that they should be taking those minutes from him. Yeah, exactly. Like that, that's what you want that to happen. You want your 38 year old defenseman to be slowly kind of taking a step back because younger players are emerging. Like I think about how, how
3: many playoff games that guy has on him.
1: Yeah, yeah. Those are just the regular season games.
3: Yeah, his the trend on his tires is very low.
1: And I just want to make it clear.
3: I don't want them to trade Duncan Keith like, oh, I don't like him. Like, I love Duncan Keith. I'm just saying like, he had one of those contracts where you could have probably really got something nice Yeah, it was a manageable contract. And it's like they didn't serve him any purpose to be on the team the last four years.
0: Yeah. I mean, there was always the fear of the recapture if he ever wanted to retire early. Mm-hmm. I don't... I think people's fear of that... like GMs might have feared it more than they needed to because so far I don't has anybody except for a actually done that? Everybody else has just gone on LTIR. So it's a cold you know, I'm still, I'm still fingers crossed that Shea Weber does it, like, because I would just totally screw the,
2: Predators? Predators, that's a good thing. That's a good yeah. thing. He should retire a year. I know that's what I'm saying. So there's a I, 24 hope, million. I hope yeah. he
0: does it because that would be just ridiculously funny to me. Um, but that's another guy. That's a perfect example of why I don't think Montreal is doing like Montreal's not a bad team this year in terms of like possession and quality control. They're not a great team offensively, obviously. And Carrie Price, that whole like, you know, playoff Gary price, you know, th- you know, that went out the window, three- three. <laughs> but Shea Weber is the leading, uh, TOI guy on the Habs in the playoffs right now. And I think he was for the regular season when he was healthy. So it's I mean, like,
2: the, at the same time, Montreal, besides out, besides, uh, what, uh, playing on Romanov besides Romanov, who I don't think has entered the lineup this season. Um, they don't have a prospect
0: like focus no,
2: or Mitchell, yeah.
0: but they could be playing, uh, Oh, my God. How do you say his name? Chariot?
1: Chariot, cheer- oh Ch- but spelled wrong?
0: Yes. <laughs> so they could be playing him more. He's not, I mean, he's better than, um, he's better than him. He's only 30. Like, he's not like, an, he's not like ancient, but he's better. And they by the play- way,
1: Betsy, uh, Jeff Petrie had uh, Shea Weber beat Nice Time by two seconds. And Petrie's 33.
0: In the playoffs, though. Oh, in, in the playoffs. playoffs. Sorry. Weber uh-huh. is like two seconds above Petrie I want to say
3: it's like all these old coaches well who's their coach Bruce Cassidy it is Shea Weber you're right they all just turn into like morons and just ride one guy
2: it's like come on (laughs) Cassidy is Boston's I don't think Boston's not yeah not right yeah
1: Yeah.
2: got fired
3: there uh he got fired yeah 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 I'm sorry Bruce I I meant I mixed them up, but they're all old idiots. Yeah. <laughs> all old yeah, they're
0: idiots. Refusing. He was like, originally, he was like, our team can't score, but I'm not going to put Caulfield in because he's inexperienced. And it's like, what? What? He has more goals in, yes, a 10-game sample than like if his his goal sample was way better. But anyway, stop about the Habs. Um, I was just <laughs> saying, this trend of playing these old, iconic guys is not necessarily just a Colleton thing you know like I don't want to like rail on him for playing it's hard to be like this guy's a hall of famer and in JC's case Duncan Keith is older than him isn't you know so um
3: by like five years
0: yeah how do you like how do you like tell that guy I want you to play less especially when obviously he's not really that confident in the kids he should be but he's not I there's it's a weird situation I'm like it's another reason I don't really think Carlton should be the coach because if he can't make that tough conversation with, he doesn't need to be disrespectful. He just needs to have the tough conversation with Keith about downing his playing time. I don't think he had that conversation with Seabrook properly. And that's why Seabrook had some, you know, uh, vexed comments in the media about JC, but you gotta have it with Keith. You gotta tell him, can we get you down to at least three, like number three minutes? Come before
3: on. before we go to a break, I just want to add to that, too. It's a good point. A lot of these teams like Colorado right now, they don't have that problem because they're not old. Yeah. Um, but when you're a team like the Hawks and you have these guys who are clear-cut Hall of Famers, but they're, they're get hitting 40 soon, it's like Betsy's absolutely right. You have to have that conversation. But the problem is the Hawks didn't plan any type of rebuild. They fired their coach and tried to compete, and then they said they're rebuilding now, and they still didn't have the talk. So that's on the Hawks.
0: Yeah. And when JC first got here, I mean, the first thing he did was put Seabrook back in the first pairing with Keith. So
3: <laughs>
0: like immediately, like the first 10 games after him, Keith, uh, Seabrook's minutes went from like 16 or 17 to like 22.
3: And he was and, looking at all the bit hurt that he was.
0: Yeah. And it was, it was already, I was like, okay, well he's just trying to fill it out and all that kind, that kind of stuff. But so far, other than obviously finally realizing Last season at Seabrook, needed to play way less minutes. Um, It it just hasn't happened with Keith. It does need to happen. I think Keith in the right role could totally still be useful, especially as a mentor. Um, And I think he's embraced that a lot. It sounds like it from his quotes, at least. Um, It just needs to happen. Duncan Keith is great. He'll be an icon forever, but he can't play that much minutes anymore, that many minutes.
1: the, the thing you said to you earlier about like it's it's not an easy conversation to have like as coach and G, like even if bowman has to sit on the meeting to ma- make the point come through but that is why you get paid a lot of money to do these things it's not no one said it was going to be easy but like these are the these are the things you have to do as a coach and or gm or whatever of a professional franchise sometimes you have to tell your 38 year old future first ballot hall of famer that hey you're not 28 anymore, so we're going to dial you back a little bit. And even even if he doesn't like it, I feel like he needs to hear it straight from the horse's mouth. Um, but also, if you want to be a total meathead, uh, Nicholas Lidstrom did win a Norris
2: Trophy at the age of 40. So okay, yeah, that, the, was the, a, the, that was that was a prestige, <laughs> that was a prestige and name brand thing, though. And yeah, the Red Wings <laughs>
3: that, didn't bring guys up until they were 30, anyways. They stayed yeah. in the system forever.
1: Yeah, yeah, I just I just wanted to just just throw that out there to be a total meatball because uh I then I was looking at that team, their top three Iceman was forty-year-old Lindstrom, thirty-year-old Nick Cronwall, thirty-one year old Brad Stewart, and then thirty-seven year old Brian Rafalski. That was your top four. They played Chelios.
3: so he was like forty-five.
0: Yeah, and to be fair, I mean that league wasn't the same then. It's not as speedy now.
3: Yeah, and dude, two line pass rule and that.
1: Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. And and Litcham's a different type of player than Keith was. So it's not. I just I was just clicking through stuff, and I was I was trying to find another guy that had played at in Duncan Keith's age or at Duncan Keith's age and still skated as many minutes. And Litcham was the only Uh, guy I could find.
3: Niedermeyer was close, but I don't think he was quite 38. He retired at like 36. He's 36. yeah, But he yeah. was like stylistically probably the best
2: comparison.
1: Yeah, and like like the only other name I could think of is Charles who's obviously a completely different player because he's you know six foot ninety-three.
2: Yeah, and you don't stop being massive. Yeah. He should just be in the NBA.
1: <laughs> somebody somebody described him in a broadcast as six foot fourteen, and I thought that was hilarious. Um so, anyway, uh, yeah, we've got a lot more guys to get to. So, this, uh, this is going to be interesting to do, but we're going to take a quick break, come back on the other side of this timeout, and talk about some more Blackhawks defensemen and maybe even get to the goalies at some point. Or maybe not. I don't know. But come back and find out if we do or not. Welcome back to Musings on Madison. And as promised before the break, I wanted to dive a little bit further into the Blackhawks roster of defensemen because we still got a lot to go through. Um, we're going to start with, um, well, we don't, Nikita Zadorov. I, I don't even, do we need to say anything else about him? Bon voyage. No. No.
0: no. <laughs> okay. I think our, our thoughts are very well known. I yeah. And, if
3: and not, if, just search my thoughts on Twitter.
1: Yeah. Just search Mill's name and Zadorov. And yeah. Um. And, but unless you're like related to Zadorov, because we don't mean anything personal. We just, you know, we, his his hockey skills offend some of our sensibilities. <laughs> um. <laughs> Anyway, let's move on to another guy that is another uh, very much an up and down season, uh, but also his rookie season. So there's a lot, lot uh, to dissect there. Uh, Ian Mitchell. I uh, will start off by acknowledging that I am a massive Ian Mitchell apologist because he has the exact type of skill set that makes is my favorite type of hockey player. Uh, he got Brian Campbell's number, and I was a huge Brian Campbell fan. So. There's a lot of reasons for me to like Ian Mitchell, and he was really fun for the first month Then had some rough stretches towards the end of the season, got scratched a lot and probably too much. Um, so I'll throw it out to the group. I don't know what you guys thought about Ian Mitchell this season.
2: I mean, his, the lack of him playing towards the end of the season is one of the reasons I don't think development was as much of a priority as it should have been this season, because guys like him and Bodan and even Kalinuk to to some extent, weren't iced as much as they needed to be. Um, and that's like when you wave the white flag before the season and then the coach decides, Hey, I'm going to go for the playoffs, even though this is not a playoff team and never was, um, that's a problem. Uh, he should be getting a lot of time next season. Um, I can't guarantee that'll happen given the head coach. Um, so he's well-rounded. He should be good. He was great in college. I don't think this is about a Borgstrom situation yet, where it was like, "Oh, he's great in college," and just never translated. I think Mitchell has the ability to trans- transition to the NHL. It's just about how much time he gets and like chances to screw up he gets, because that's going to be important.
1: Yeah, just fifteen oh two averageized time. Just like I know he's a rookie, first season, all that, but
0: oh,
1: that just that seems so low, so low. It is very low.
0: Yeah. A lot of it's skewed by when they played seven defensemen, too, a little bit. Like, not all of it, because he still didn't play a whole lot, even when there were six. But there were times when he and Badan were getting like 10 minutes in a game. And I was like, what is even the point of that? Send them back to Rockford to play some minutes.
3: At 10 minutes is what you give Kyle Comiskey and David Runblad when you're trying to shelter them because you have to play them. It's not what you give a guy you're trying to develop. No, being serious though. Like,
1: no, you're right though. It's, I, it's just funny hearing those names again.
3: I agree with you guys completely. It's like, you gotta look guys are going to suck when they start as a defenseman in this league. Cause it is hard to play in the NHL. And I would assume, I don't know, but <laughs> it's like, look at Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook as rookies and second year guys. You know, and it, it happens to Hall of Famers. It's going to happen to guys, even if they're, you know, good, bad, whatever. Let him get the reps. And I don't know if you guys knew this, but uh, Ian Mitchell's dad was a right-handed defenseman who played three games for the Minnesota North Stars.
0: Did not know that.
3: So, so shout out Roy Mitchell.
0: Um, I'll just, I'll leave off with Mitchell is still one of the better transition players on the team on a poor transition team. Um, he was one of the better guys at getting the puck out of the zone, for example. Um, so I agree with Shep that I think there's skills that he has that he did very well in college, which was play driving and transition, which ended up leading to offense, but he was also good defensively coming back. I think those can translate. They just need to give him more of an opportunity. And also I would have liked to have seen them. Allow him to play through his issues because there were other defensemen that had really low lows that never like it took forever for them to be sat or they never were sat. So it was a weird standard, and Mitchell should get more time before anybody casts him into like a waistband or something.
1: Yeah, I, I think with Mitchell, and I think this is the case with a lot of the young guys, forwards, defense, and goalie, and everywhere on the roster. Just there, there's something there that can be a worthwhile NHL player. I don't know how like how good it'll be. It's probably not like a top pairing guy, but you can get you can get a good eighteen eighteen to well, yeah, somewhere in like the eighteen to twenty minute range out of Ian Mitchell a night and like a really good strong eighteen to twenty minutes a night if his career if you maximize the ability that he has. Which okay. is yeah, which I mean, is nothing nothing wrong with that at all.
3: And he can actually shoot the puck, uh, like Bezi said, he's good in transition, but if they could actually set up in cycle, I think that he could score a little bit too. Like he's yeah. not, he doesn't have a bad shot.
1: Yeah. And he, he showed, uh, you know, I think his first career goals, he just jumped in the play and was there when a rebound hit. So it seems like he has the offensive instincts that uh, lends itself to being a fairly productive offensive defenseman. So, or maybe not, you know, uh, you know like a uh, Eric Carlson or Adam Boak was type, but also not going to be a total passenger when the Hawks are on offense. So yeah. So uh yeah. So uh more more Ian Mitchell next season, please. Uh up next on the list, kind of in the same, I don't know if it's not the same draft class because I think he was drafted a year before, maybe a year later. Uh Nick Bodan is the guy I'm referring to though. Yeah, Bodan was a 18 first round pick, 27th overall. Played one game last season, 19 games this season. Another guy who didn't get a ton of ice time, even when he did skate, he was actually down at 1347, which was lower than uh, Ian Mitchell, which I didn't realize his ice time was that low. But again, uh, to kind of piggyback off what Betsy said, it feel like every time Bodan was in the lineup, it was with the seven defensemen arrangement, which wasn't great. So I don't know. Any, any Nicholas Bodan thoughts out there?
2: Yeah, he's he's continuing to develop uh, the Seven defensemen is a huge problem for him because he played like 10 minutes those nights and that's that's nothing for a defenseman. Um, I think he can be good on the penalty kill. I, I don't think he needs to be a power play. He's going to be a power play person, but I don't think the Blackhawks need him to be. They have Mitchell and they have Boquist. Um, hoping he can become like a Murphy type of player.
1: Like I remember talking about him when he was in the AHL and it was um it, it, it said he was very unnoticeable, but in a good way. Cause he just, he, he, he always made like, he just did the right thing always at the right time. He wasn't going to do anything. Stand out. was in position though. Yeah. But he was always in the right spot. So he not like, you never, he never completely blew an assignment. So you never saw him make the mistake that led to a goal, but he also never like made like some crazy highlight reel play on the offensive side of the ice. And again, not a bad thing that if you, if you just do your job in every situation, you can make a pretty damn good NHL career out of it. Um, but another guy that just kind of, I guess we'll just have to see what he does next season. Cause uh, there's uh, he's only played about 20 NHL games in his entire career. So there's a lot, he's played exactly 20 games in his NHL <laughs> career. So there's, there's just a lot of unknown there.
0: Yeah. And 20 games is like right around when, players start to like trends in their playing time really start to solidify and you can start paying attention to them and his wasn't his playing time just wasn't consistent enough really even in those 20 games to get a whole lot like for example speaking of transition and zone exit specifically Bodan is the only player the only defender on the Blackhawks that exited the zone above average now his sample is skewed because of his ice time because it's you know based on per 60 but he did that attempting the most per 62 so you know, it's like if you could put these guys in the proper usage and um, with the right line mates with a good system. I know that's all All of that's like <laughs> all these perfect things. But like it just feels like he could be useful and we just don't know how much or for sure until he plays more.
3: Right. Also, can I just piggyback on what Shepard said, but kind of edit it a little bit? <laughs> Seven defensemen was just generally a problem all year, and <laughs> yeah. I am tired of it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's I, I hope that experiment ends with this season, but
3: especially when they're not playing the guys they need to be.
1: Yeah. And like one of the arguments was, I remember they said uh, they were doing that because they were worried. It was like because they're worried about Calvin Dehan's health. Like, well, then scratch Calvin Dehan if he's not healthy. Yes, to hell, they were worried about his health. They dangled him out there hurt all the time. God, yeah, that was such a bizarre. I give like, that was the reason for it. Like, holy shit, guys, what are we doing here? Um, but and while we're there, uh Calvin Dehan, I I feel I think I said at some point during the season that I feel like Calvin Dehan's not going to be on the team next season, either trade expansion draft or whatever. It just seems like he's not there's not a place for him on this roster anymore. I think he can still be a viable, reliable, uh, shutdown, or I guess stay-at-home type of NHL defenseman. So it's not a really a knock on his play. I think his biggest issue is his health. Is he just he seems to always be hurt.
2: I think he's another player hampered a little bit by the system.
0: Yeah. I think
2: that you know, especially it's especially, especially defensive defenseman. Um, and I think he's somebody who probably shouldn't be in our top four and an NHL top four, probably a top six.
3: Well, I said that to somebody uh, in a reply in the comment the other day. I said they went out and built this, you know, get this coach. We're doing hybrid man. And then they have guys like DeHan going out there who's a stay at home defenseman. It's like it doesn't it doesn't benefit him at all. Yeah,
1: round round peg in a square hole. Exactly.
3: He's not a bad player. Um, yeah. I mean, but you have a Connor Murphy, so you don't really need a lesser, more hurt Connor Murphy. I know he's the other side shot, but, you
1: know. Yeah, I think I definitely think there's a there's plenty of play, good places for Calvin Nahan in the NHL. It just may may not be in Chicago anymore.
3: And I don't dislike him though. I do want to say that I don't dislike the guy.
1: He also is apparently a, like a huge beer guy. Apparently, like he started his own brewery wherever he lives in Canada. So so uh, big ups for that.
3: Shout out. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, let's see. Keep going down the roster here. Now, uh, there's like Alec Regula played three games and. I don't even know if there's much to talk about. How about Riley Stillman? I think he's an interesting guy because he only played 13 games with the Hawks, yet they decided to give him a three-year contract extension for $1.35, I think, each year. Yeah, which I thought was – it's weird to see a guy get a three-year contract for only $1.3 million because usually if a guy earns a three-year contract, he's getting more money. So I just, I thought that was, it was just a weird looking contract to me. So it's, I I can't get too upset about it because it's only 1.3 million, but it's also three years. So, and I just, I don't, I don't know what thoughts I have on Riley Stillman. So what do you guys have?
2: There's better prospects that play the same sort of role as he does in the the system that should probably get his spot. Alex Vlasic. He is only 23 though. Yeah, but at, at 23, we should you kind of know what a defenseman is as as Betsy said, they you you sort of plateau once you hit 22 and he's had he's 22 and he's like a sixth defenseman. He's not there's guys with higher upside coming.
1: Well, I guess nobody likes you when you're 23. But Betsy, do you have anything else to add about Riley Stillman?
0: I liked Riley Stillman actually. Um not I don't disagree that there might be better prospects. Um I think Lassick eventually will be better. For example, I think he's got more upside, but I also don't think Velasquez very physical. Like he's big and he uses his body well, but he's not overly physical in college at least. Um, maybe that'll change. Um, but Stillman is physical. He's not as big. He's not as skilled um, except maybe his skating. His skating's actually pretty, pretty good. Um, but he was smart with his physicality, which is what I liked. Like if they're trying to incorporate defensemen that can play with a little bit of an edge or can use, you know, their body in a more meaningful way, I'm up for that. Just not meaningless hits and checks. And I think Stillman was much better at that than some others. Now his sample was very small, obviously. So I don't know how that would pace over a full season. Like if you just start to ramp it up or whatever, um, don't know I I didn't mind him I don't mind that they might want to give him some chances because Vlasic's not coming over next year he's going back to college I don't think Regula's ready um I don't really know if that many more below him are ready so if like the Han is gone I don't mind giving Stillman a left-handed chance um to see what he's got at the very least and 1.3 is nothing and if he is good during that span of that that takes him all the way to 26 so you know, that's fine. There's yeah. nothing. I, he's fine to me.
1: Yeah, it feels like even if he doesn't, he'll be like the sixth or seventh defenseman. And again, at 1.3 million, I don't doesn't doesn't it doesn't ruin your salary cap. At least it shouldn't. I, I, but,
3: would, I, I don't even think he's going to finish his contract here. I think for that kind of control that cheap, that means they want to trade him eventually. Um yeah. and also my blink tattoo is burning. Thank you, Dave. Um <laughs> You're welcome. But yeah, yeah. I think uh it's just like, I mean, remember when they signed uh not that he's this bad, but remember when they signed Bollig and it was just like, what the hell are they doing? And then they just sent him to Calgary to die. <laughs> it's like it's one of those, like he's I mean, Stillman's what he is, but I just don't think that they're gonna keep him for three years. And if they do, he probably won't play very much. He's like a seven.
0: Yeah, he'd have to like really break out for them, I think, for him to stay the whole time. So I think it's a low, low risk move. I Honestly, though, the whole contract signing thing, I thought they were going to sign him regardless of how he played because of the fact that they made such a big deal out of getting him in Borgstrom. They were like, this is our big move at the, you know, for prospects and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, love it. Love to see
1: it. I I will say the one thought I had when they signed Stillman is it seems like Stillman is – um he almost makes Nikita Zedorov a little bit redundant to me. Yeah. So that was where like if if I mean I take Stillman at 1.3 over whatever Zedorov is gonna that come
3: That's out. the thing, is like not to get into the off thing, but regardless of what you think of him, he's basically being replaced for a fraction of the price. Yeah. So yeah. why not? Who cares?
1: It's a memorial, it's a Memorial Day sale. Replace him for a fraction of the price.
0: Especially uh, if you end up actually playing Stillman more, where he probably should be, which is bottom pairing. Yeah, um, yeah. used to do it for Z. So
3: yeah, when yeah. he like got into the lineup, like that's when all our defensemen started dying. You guys remember that? It was just <laughs> like, oh, like who do we have out there? We have four guys.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and honestly, he wasn't bad in those minutes. Like that's why that's why I'm like, I don't mind seeing him more, is because when they gave him more minutes in a very small sample, I didn't mind him. So let me see what you got. He yeah, wasn't.
2: He- he wasn't noticeably good though either.
0: Nobody. He got pantsed really a few times. In games, yeah. <laughs> he, like everybody was bad in those games, but like on a curve and relative, I felt like he wasn't bad. I didn't mind him. It's my like that's such a cop out way of saying yeah. All right, I didn't mind him. It's fine if he plays some more. Well,
3: just to. <laughs> To throw in our favorite buzzword, you know, he did jump into a really fucking weird system to play right off the bat. Yeah. It's like, no, seriously, he comes over and they're like, all right, go chase this guy 200 feet around the rink. Okay.
2: Yeah. But y'all mentioned replacing Zat as as if that's something that needs to happen when it really isn't, uh, they don't need a Zadorov in the system. They need, more players like Adam Boquist or Nicholas Bodin or Ian Mitchell or Wyatt Kalanick. We're taking yeah. baby
0: steps Shepard baby steps.
2: <laughs> Yeah, well, it's so- if, if Yeah, so- they keeping a guy for three years that's a, that's a, a be- replacement. It's not baby steps. That's bad. Well, we it's don't just
0: flat out bad. We well, they've been, ba- they've, they've been,
3: been baby stepping through a rebuild for three and a half seasons.
0: So. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Look, I'm looking for any progress here, okay?
1: I, well, I, the, the idea, Shepard, I I think was with that uh you... You can't. Re- the system probably is not going to get replaced, but at least we can maybe move get some better pieces into it. And then, and then once the system gets replaced, then everything's better. At least you know we hope so. Maybe uh,
2: worse. Yeah. Who knows? That's, I don't think it could be worse. I don't think. I don't think. Yes, it, it can.
1: can be worse. It can always be worse, Shepard.
0: I didn't think it could be worse last year, but then this it, year I
1: it happened. could <laughs> definitely be worse. Hey, Shepard. Um, hey, I mean you're a White Sox guy. What if they bring in the hockey equivalent of Tony LaRusso?
3: Oh, cool! We're and, gonna and go then back my, to you Don't
1: have a team that can outplay how shitty your manager. So, are we gonna? Go my to father fight. and are I were discussing
2: that. Who, who is the hockey equivalent of Mike of uh, Tony Larusa? My father and I were discussing that. Mike Keenan? Maybe I don't think
1: anybody's. Oh, is, I don't. know It has to be somebody that's so old at the start. And I don't. Keenan may not be old enough. Who, who who respects
3: the unwritten rules of hockey and would rather get their guys thrown at than, than, than hit a home run.
1: My, my first thought was uh tortorella yeah the Tortorella's
3: not old enough no. another is dabcock my The tortorella is kind of cool off the ice though
1: keenan's 71 and hasn't coached in since the 09 season so actually that would make him the perfect Tony. <laughs> Go. <laughs> god
3: who drinks the most is the real question oh uh,
1: yeah and who,
3: no i just joking david i was like are we gonna bring back fighting in the 300 level <laughs> oh fucking hell um well, relegate almost, all of Chicago.
1: We've almost completely gone off the rails, but we do have one guy left that I want to talk to you before. I guy, finish driving this uh, truck into the ditch. Uh, shout out Tony Larusa, but uh, <laughs> Wyatt Kalanuck is the Woo! guy we want to talk about. Um, because uh, I, I'm, I'm, I think we're all kind of on board that he was one of the biggest, most pleasant surprises of the season. That like they signed him. He was drafted by Philly, I think, in the seventh round. Never signed, and the Hawks picked him up, and it just kind of like an under the radar thing. And then every time he played, it was just kind of like, like he was uh, to piggyback of what you guys were saying earlier. He was noticeable in a good way. Like every game, he seemed like he made like one or two plays. You're like, hey, that was that was good. I like that.
0: Yeah, and the fact that it took so long for him to get into the lineup sucked because he was just sitting right there.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I don't. I, I that was. I, I feel like that was more a a turn or a situation of like guys just ahead of him on the organizational depth chart because he was a undrafted free agent signing, and you know there were first and second round picks ahead of him. So I can I can forgive that because he did get to play twenty one games. And he did average 16 minutes of ice time, which again could be higher and hopefully is higher next season.
3: I'm i I'm going to be that jerk off who gets his Jersey and then they trade him next year. And I'm going to jump from the balcony. <laughs> um, not da- all the way down, but just onto somebody in the That's club. Maybe level. like
1: break a limb. And you-
3: no, I'm just going to jump onto someone in the club level. It's fine. Okay. Uh, my seats were, they took the seats out. Now there's a bar in that corner. So we have to sit above it. It sucks. Um, but uh basically like with Kalanuck, he plays that like real sexy style of hockey. You know, like he, he is not f- overly flashy, but like his passes always look beautiful and crisp. He knows where to be. He could skate, not like superstar level, but he just doesn't do anything where are like, Oh, he's ugly like that. Like he, he looks good playing and uh, I'll have to get a. Actually, I lied. I do have one forty eight Jersey. So that'll be my second one, but I'm gonna have to bite the bullet and buy it.
1: So the mill Mills Savage uh Jersey purchase seal of approval is a pretty big one. So that's 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 a good sign. Uh Betsy your Shepard, anything else to add about uh Wyatt? I mean yes,
2: uh I'll let
0: Shepard go.
2: there's two good Wyatt's in the system. and Yeah. Uh yes there is. So he sort of came out of nowhere, college free agent, played well. Don't mind seeing him again next season. Give him a full shot at like a regular season. Yeah.
0: I think he's a good example of. So, we were talking about development curves and how players tend to hit, you know, defensemen at least tend to hit at like 22, you know, and they start plateauing a little bit. Um, He came in at 23. um, He turned 24 in April. So, he's somebody who came in a little bit older than that and then just kind of impacted very well. So, it's kind of like, okay you have to be patient with some of these guys. Sometimes they're not going to impact earlier and maybe they'll come in and just be able to take off like that. Now, 20 something games is not a huge, you know, 21 games is still not a big sample. Again, it's possible that he'd hit, he would have hit a wall like Mitchell did, but his initial start was better than Mitchell's to me Mm -hmm. this season. Um, he, I want to say that he was second only to Boquist in points per 60 in all situations, and he didn't play on the power play as much, um, and had the highest individual point percentage among defensemen on the team. His, I don't, we don't have micro stats for him because the sample was too small in the samples that Corey tracked, but I know for a fact that his transition is good and Mills, right. His passing is probably one of some of the best when he attempts it. He does turn the puck over a little bit too much in the neutral zone, but That's all things he can work on. Um, So, yeah, give him more time. I I
3: I think, to to your point, like, Philly just kind of let him – like, hung him out to dry for a while in their system, I feel like. Like, he just, like – I don't know. It feels, like, weird that they didn't even want to give him a shot.
0: Well, they wanted to sign him after his junior year, and he was kind of like, oh, waffling back and forth. And I think that when they didn't make a bigger push for him – he was kind of like, cool, I'm going to go back, and then I'm going to become a free agent.
3: Huh. Well, I mean, hey, us as Hawks fans get to enjoy watching Wyatt Kalanick, and Philadelphia ended up with, uh, what's his name? Uh, Kevin Hayes? No, number five. Oh, what the fuck is I can't even think of the guy's name now. Gustav uh, Gustafson.
1: Eric um, Gustafson. Yeah, sorry. Who they, who they, they traded to Montreal. So. Yeah, he's in... Good yeah,
3: yeah, but they got to they got to enjoy them during their meltdown for a bit, didn't they?
1: <laughs> they did. Yeah. Yes, they did. Uh, that was a uh, Gustafson. got, I believe it was a deadline trade to Montreal. The,
3: the straw that stirs the drink.
1: It was funny to see on, uh, like, Montreal fans melting down about the uh, mistakes Gustafson would making and then just seeing, like, all the Flyers fans' accounts be like, oh, we, we know what that's like. And then it felt like coming in as a hipster, like, you know, first time.
3: yeah right yeah
1: so uh so that's good um that's one of the
3: most yaha guys i've ever watched in person i swear to god
1: the uh the moral of the story is uh play white kalanick more too. um play kurshev more play much more like there's there's legitimately exciting young guys on this team that i again maybe not all-stars but there's a lot of good pieces here and i'm really i i hope they get a better look at all of them next season. But the, the other thing, and this goes back to something I wrote like the day after the season ended, is that like you can only sit around and wait for these guys to develop for so long. At some point you just need as a franchise to say, fuck it, we're going to try and start winning games and the guys who are going to take steps forward and develop are going to come with us and the guys who aren't are going to get traded away. And it's not everyone. There's not roster spots for everyone. Like they've, they've got too many guys almost at this point, which isn't a bad thing to have, but eventually you need to start thinning out your own herd and figuring out who's going to be with you for the long haul and who's not. So that's why kind of my, my theory for what the Hawks need to do this season to start going forward and figuring out which guys are going to be along for the ride and who's not because it's a, there's a lot of people on this ride right now. So, yeah. Any any other uh, Blackhawks thoughts? I guess we'll have to talk about goalies next week. That'll be, you know, there's Has- only three of them, but we can. Hashtag free fill.
0: <laughs> we, we can also talk about Prosper, like the, the guy that they just signed, you know?
1: Oh, Arvid Soderblom? Soderblom?
0: Soda Did you just right? say Soderblom? <laughs> soda Soderblom? Blah.
3: Soderblom.
1: Blah.
0: Soderblom. Yeah.
1: I, uh, I learned I'm how like to God. type in umlot. Uh, the, uh, the um lots over the O on a windows keyboard when uh, i wrote that article so uh, i've already i'm already ahead of the game
3: now you can start commenting motorhead on everything
1: uh, well no i'm just gonna start working malort references into every yeah,
3: malort and demu boar gear
1: what did, i don't know what you just said
3: i'll send them to you you'll laugh
1: okay uh any any other Hawk stuff i, I think we're good because i i if if that's it uh i think it's time to talk about some food stuff we can do that I think we can do that. So, uh, Mill, I, I believe it's your turn this week. So,
3: all right. So, yeah, my hot take is about food, but it's kind of a weird one. But it's something I was thinking of. So, I don't know about you guys, but I'm always like on the go, and I like to eat while I drive because I never have time for anything. And I feel like when you get fast food, they don't ever make any of it like adequate for fucking eating in your car. Like, why don't French fries come in a thing that fits in your cup holder? You know what I mean? Instead of like a big wide one. Or burgers, you have to like unwrap or they put it in a box that you can't hold the box and eat it. So I'm just like kind of pissed off that they don't make it more convenient for me to eat my conveniently fast food.
1: You know what grinds my gears? (laughs) I mean, I think some like, I feel like some of the fast food places, the French fry container is more cylindrical in shape.
0: Steak and shakes is because I get every time I go from Atlanta to my mom's house, there's a steak and shake on the way and I'm like yep give myself some cheese fries which is not that hard to dip while you're driving actually um, and no, then a no. shake
3: but, you, but doesn't it make it like way more convenient that you could put it like somewhere and just kind of
0: I, I I stick it in my you're right I stick it in my cup holder and then my shake in my uh, the second cup holder so
3: yeah but like if you go to like I don't know like McDonald's theirs is like wide and like doesn't fit anywhere I yeah. don't know or like if you get a sandwich in like the box, like the cardboard box, you can't hold the box and oh, eat yeah. it. So no, then, that's you impossible. Have, then you have shit everywhere because you're driving.
0: It sounds like enough. you need to make something and then go, like you design something that this will work for and then you go on Shark Tank to get a bunch of money so and you can get it. Commercials.
1: <laughs> Don't they have a tray for that? Like I thought there was some sort of somebody had made like a tray that you sit on your lap while you're driving and eating and it's a it's I don't want
0: it on my lap. I want it like to sit right like where the gear shift is. On my lap seems like it's gonna be like no, I that I don't want that. So what
3: you're saying is gear I'm gonna shift. be on NHL Network at three in the morning doing infomercials. <laughs> 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 like That's all the, the worst. That's the most
1: accurate part of this entire thing.
3: Like I'm the like, it's the worst infomercials you could ever watch. And you're like, just put the highlights on. I'm trying to fall asleep to this. Ugh. Yeah, I know that wasn't, like, a good food take, but, like, I've been, like, I like eating Taco Bell, and I feel like burritos are, like, a good driving food, but they, oh, yeah. need to, but they need to put it in, like, a, like, how they put the tacos in those little cardboard things for the Doritos ones. Why don't they just make, like, a burrito holder?
0: I normally, when I, so I only eat bean, bean burritos from Taco Bell, and that's a, their, their beans are not good but like for some reason other bean burritos are good. Anyway, if you break them in half, you can just they're much easier to eat cuz then they're not going to squish out the bottom.
3: Well, um, I like I don't eat meat but, at all, so I always get black bean shit from them, but yeah. it's like a mess. I just,
0: I've, I've never had any trouble eating them in the car because maybe it's because I break them in half. Um but that's I I do that because I want to make sure that there's um it's not all right in the middle. If you break it in half, you can kind of squish it squish it down so it's an even amount of bean to uh tortilla or whatever you Ritz, know food, I are,
1: food ratios are very important
0: everything okay. yes
1: that, yeah, proportions are clutch
3: you know what drives me fucking crazy real quick about Taco about is that they can't they don't really have actual hot sauce and they won't put it on for you so you have to like open the damn thing or do it while you eat it and that you can't do that while you're driving.
0: Oh yeah. Food condiments need to not be in little plastic baggies. They need to be, I, the, the minute they started doing honey mustard in um, the little like things you can dip in. I was like, yes, thank you. I need to dip. I can hold this <sighs> now.
1: I'm still okay. like, I'm still trying to think of like the ideal eating while driving food and like burritos are high on that list. That, that's it a, that's a but le- like imagine if you had a burger but like it was
3: in like a half cardboard thing that you could hold
0: yeah burritos are good because they come in their own little container themselves because they're wrapped yeah. but like a like a taco wouldn't be
1: uh, oh taco yeah taco while driving no chance unless <laughs> unless
0: <laughs> you slice do. a
2: pizza quesadilla
0: yeah is good mm. quesadilla would be bad Pizza's not bad either, but you're not getting that at a fast food place usually.
3: The ideal driving food is the bag of uh, Starbursts that are
2: already unwrapped. <laughs> yeah, I was I was gonna say like a like a candy or a popcorn or beef turkey.
1: Yeah, there's no like like those are all like more snacks than meals. So, so yeah.
3: But you guys know when you go to like, for example, like if you go to a hockey game, they give you like a little box or something with your food in it. Like, I kind of feel like that would be more adequate for drive through than like a bag, unless you're gonna eat it at home and you want it to stay hot. I
1: don't
3: know. Maybe I should stop going out to eat. <laughs> I do cook a lot, I really do. I just can't cook and drive like eating that. Kind you, of food. Oh, you
1: can't cook and drive at the same time, though? Why not?
3: <laughs> I am not that multifaceted.
0: <laughs> I usually just don't care if I like it, I don't get stuff with sauces when I drive through, so I'm just like if I get like uh one of my favorite things to get is uh chicken biscuits at a place in um the south it's called uh Martin's and their chicken they're like biscuit part flakes like crazy I'm sure most of them do I know McDonald's does and I'm just like that's gonna go all over me so uh (laughs) I'll just you know, I like I've, I'm like at peace with that. And I'll just, when I get out of the car, I'll stand up and dust it off and then vacuum at some point.
1: There you go. Yeah. Um, no, I, I like for ideal breakfast food though, like the egg McMuffins from McDonald's are a pretty small size and they're pretty handy. And I think that's your best bet.
0: For- I don't eat um, eggs from fast food restaurants thanks um, to a, like there is... there's something bad with a batch at a McDonald's and then I was like okay I'll try again and we went to I want to say Burger King and it was not good and there was lots of time in the bathroom puking my guts out, and I will never eat and <laughs> yeah. a fast food flake right. now. Because Fair of- enough. The
2: sausage, the sausage biscuit is the way to go, and then has, the hash brown. I'll like, the like, hash brown. I like the griddle,
3: because you get
1: pancakes and syrup, and that gets all over, but you the, know. The chicken, the chicken biscuit actually is pretty good, too. I love the
0: chicken. That, I like, yeah, chicken biscuit.
1: But good. then you have the, the flaking issues that you eat. The McDonald's chicken biscuit, you have the same flaking issues you mentioned with the other one. so. Yeah. um, All right. Well, Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Musings on Madison Uh, really quickly before we finish things up, a quick shout out to Janelle Davis. Um, She's got a bunch of stuff going on with her stuff away from second city hockey. And that was going to prevent her from doing more stuff with us. So she's uh, we're parting ways. Um, We wish her the best. It was great having her on board. Um, And we apologize for everything the Edmonton Oilers are doing to her still. Um, I wish there were fans in the building so bad. I, yeah,
3: well, yeah, just not, yeah. Sorry, Janelle.
1: <laughs> yeah, sorry, but maybe the other Canadian teams will, will, will win for, for her. Somebody's going to come out of the division, Canadian. Yeah. They have to they set it up. Maybe. We'll see. Um, so, yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. For Mill, for Shepard, for Betsy, I'm Dave. Thank you again, and as always, go.